hashtag never alone with Joe and Mark. Hi everyone and welcome to hashtag never alone episode 7 our World Mental Health Day webinar. I am your lived experience host Joe Ambridge and I'm psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and Joe's co-host Mark Fielding. Um, and today, as you probably know, is World Mental Health Day. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what World Mental Health Day is. It's an international day for global mental health education, awareness and advocacy against social stigma. It was first celebrated in 1992 at the initiative of the World Federation for Mental Health, a global mental health organisation with members and contacts in more than 150 countries. Um, as you guys know, uh, we are a mental health podcast, so we're all for days that help promote mental health and try and get rid of the stigma. Um, we are currently sitting on 989 plays, so we're very near to 1,000. Um, as you, we did 20 episodes in season one. I'm just going to go through the episodes we did and the guests that we had on. We are joined by some guest speakers who I will introduce shortly. So the first episode we did was Men and Mental Health, which was uh, with Paul Granger. Um, anxiety, which was with Victoria Vanstone. Depression, which was with Tom Adam. Bipolar, which was with Teresa de Pasquale. Uh, postnatal depression, which was with Sandy Rivers. Um, Mind Fitness, which was with the founders of the Fitness Club Online, Reese and Ryan Tinson. Uh, PTSD, which was with Joe Yates, um, who unfortunately was supposed to be joining us, but isn't joining us. Uh, I haven't heard anything from her. Uh, ADHD with Jeremy Britton. BPD, which was my episode that I did and I spoke about my BPD, and I will discuss about that as well on this webinar. HSPs with Mark Fielding, who will be, who's also joining us, as you know, he's our co-host. Uh, Suicide, which was with Daryl Green, who I will be introducing, who's joining us today, who will talk a little bit about the episode that he did. Um, Men and Mental Health Revisited, which was with Will Humphreys, who will be chatting about the episode he was on. Um, we did an interview with Drew Wakeley from The Midnight Beast. Um, OCD, which was with JL Keys. Impacts and Suicide, uh, sorry, the impact of suicide and causes for with Amelia Olsen, um, Grief and Lost, which was with Richard Harris, Insomnia, which was with Sophie Abel, who was supposed to be joining us, but unfortunately isn't, uh, Trauma, which was with Annette Densham, uh, Schizophrenia, which was with Alana Mae Mitchell, and Q&A, which we had with Jordan Harbison. Um, I also want to say massive congratulations to Jordan um, on the news of uh, her baby girl who she is expected next year um, so I will now introduce our guests in episode order so our first guest who is joining us is Daryl Green who joined us for the suicide episode um, hi Daryl sorry just unmute yourself um, hi Daryl good evening Joe good evening Mark thanks, thanks for having me on again. with the other guests uh, so, no, it's absolute pleasure. A very important day. Yeah. So, what does World Mental Health Day mean to you? I think the number one thing I would say it is the destigmatization and 
letting people know it's okay not to be okay and seeing more resources put into the area of uh, mental health. And I think COVID-19 has brought that to the forefront for literally everyone on the planet. Yeah. Um, and the episode you did, which episode number was that and the topic? It was episode 11 and I spoke about suicide and I had a very uh, unique position having joined the police at uh, 18, attended suicides, completed coroner's reports, spoke to the family and friends and then suffering a horrific workplace injury, being shot in the face and shoulder on duty and then having my own struggle with uh, mental health and suicide. But I actually drew on what I knew about suicide from my professional role, which helped me to keep going and ask for professional help. Yeah. Um, Mark, you got any questions? Yeah. Yeah. That? I mean, I'm just thinking back to the episode now and wow. I mean, what, what an inspiration. I think I said that. I mean, I'd say that actually about many, you know, all of our guests, but, but really, I mean, what you, what you went through, I mean, I'm, there's a video that I think people can watch, isn't there too, which really explains, you know, the incident and, and, and I guess the, the length of the recovery, which is, is understandable and, you know, the recovery, be, recovery being both physical and mental. And then I guess the, the, the leading into your work as an ambassador. I wonder whether you could tell us a bit more about, about the, well, perhaps we could maybe start at the reverse. Could, could I ask you a bit more about your work as, uh, as an ambassador? Yes. So... Uh, my next piece of um, ambassador work for Lifeline, which is a huge mm. privilege, is I'm participating in a run here, Bridge to uh, Brisbane, and that's to uh, raise fund for, for the, the Lifeline team who are participating in it. And there is a, uh, a story going out on social media very shortly, uh, Lifeline, about uh, uh, me being an ambassador and my story and, and in relation to uh, suicide. And so they asked me just recently, would you, you know, take some photographs of you out running? And fortunately, I run every day and I had the Lifeline uh, jersey and it was uh, uh, something I love to do and it helps me um, uh, mentally and obviously it's good for me physically and help to encourage others and plus raising funds for Lifeline. So it's win-wins all around. Yeah, and we're kind of really, you know, transmuting, you know, all of the pain that you went through into helping others, which I always, always think is such a wonderful thing. I mean, your, your, your work for Lifeline must be helping so many people. Yeah, I'm a uh, keynote speaker, and when I work for Lifeline, though, it's completely pro bono, uh, and, uh, and that's uh, uh, just my, my giving back to because there's a lot of people out there i had people to pick up the phone and speak to be they family friends or professionals and i was from a the perspective of police officers a lot of people slip through the cracks and they end up having no one and lifelines there 24 7 it's very true about a lot of people mental health it goes uh, ignored sometimes and especially people that uh, are quite scared to speak up about worried about being judged and seen differently, I definitely agree with you there that people do go unnoticed and, and it's quite sad that it's still a thing that people are too scared to talk about mental health with fear of being judged. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your film? Um, is Tice shot? Am I right saying that again? Yes, uh, so 
twiceshot.com is my website and on there is a, a, a short uh, film and what happened was through professional speakers australia i was introduced to a, a a director and he thought wow that's sort of pretty amazing story about what i went through you know getting shot on duty getting out the car going after the gunman my wolf my bravery but then the long journey uh, it was 17 major surgical procedures over two reconstructions of my mouth uh, and seven years after the shooting when this was finalized and probably my mental health really i only got really back on track by 2010 after a, a 10 year battle with the queensland department of justice in relation to criminal compensation and so it's been a uh, quite a journey and he was so taken with it he just wanted to do a film to raise awareness for uh, suicide prevention it's roughly in australia it's double the amount of people uh take their lives each year and compared to the, uh, those who are unfortunately killed on our roads but it's not a figure that's widely uh known and so he made the film it was uh introduced to lifeline and they loved it and in 2018 event was hosted by our police minister here in uh, brisbane queensland uh, mark ryan mp and it uh, launched the, the film. Uh, it raised funds for Lifeline, and I was as announced as an ambassador. So that has been a, an in, incredible honour. This is a very powerful yeah. film. I've watched it a few times and listened to the audio. It's such a good film and so powerful. And the fact that you went through that trauma and you are where you are now, and you've kind of overcome those obstacles and got back to a place where you're helping others is so inspirational and what what made you want to come on the podcast and chat with us about your story well suicide is something people do not like to speak about and i know just from myself nobody wanted to speak about the shooting so it became the 800 pound gorilla in the room so i was going through my second reconstruction i'd taken up a new position at the police academy i had a plate in my mouth i had braces and i was suffering physically and psychologically and it was uh ignored and and and, and it wasn't out of uh these people being um they was out being misinformed they were worried they were, would say the wrong thing so they didn't want to say anything at all yeah which and I guess, so i wanted to yeah. wanted to talk about this Talk, I wanted to talk a little bit about suicide and the point that I got to, uh, the um, key reason that I continued, I talked about that day I was facing the second reconstruction, I was running across a bridge, put my both hands on the railing, I look over, it's just gone through my head, I can jump and it will all be over. But literally, I knew being a police officer, I've just thought, hold on, what happens to the families, what happened to the friends, I've seen that, I can't do it to my mum and dad. And so my decision to live wasn't for uh, me, it was for my parents. And so I continued running and with no light at the end of the tunnel. But I'm so grateful that I, that I did because there is light at the end of the, end of the tunnel. And uh, I have um, yeah, still have some low points, but you know, generally life is, is pretty good. And so if I can just, just one person that I can stop, it's... Uh, from taking that action and that the ripple effect it does to family and friends it's all worthwhile yeah it's definitely an episode that resonated with me from someone that had their own thoughts of suicide and having spent time in a mental health um, hospital um 
it really does even though i didn't again same like yourself i didn't follow through with it seeing the impact that it had on other people the worry that it put on people's mind and seeing people cry like my family and friends worrying about me it really like does go to show the impact that suicide can have on people even if you don't follow through with it um and it is a episode that we went and covered the other side of suicide um Amelia, who unfortunately can't join us for this episode, um, she spoke about the impact of suicide because um, she lost her husband and she wrote a beautiful book that uh, is available on Amazon called Dirt and Dust, um, A Teenage Perspective on Suicide, which is really good. Um, so it was nice to kind of cover both sides, the, the thoughts of suicide and then the people that have lost someone for suicide. Um, yeah. Those left behind. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so true what, what you say there. It's something that, you know, I mean, suicide rate in, in the UK is, is enormous. You know, I mean, it's high. It's not gender specific. It's high with both. I mean, it's high, even higher for men, though, that being said, than yeah. for women. And it's just not spoken about. You know, so to have somebody, I think, you know, that I mean, after everything you went through to, you know, to openly speak about, I think is so helpful for others because it's really common isn't it people feeling suicidal and feeling like it you know there's no point going on and and because there's no conversation around it i guess it's really difficult yeah. for people to share it people feel really isolated yeah so to hear somebody you know somebody who's been through everything that you've been through talking openly i think is really great especially especially men especially with men men don't talk enough about mental health and suicide no um and we are actually um, the next person we're going to introduce. Um, actually, came and spoke. Well, one to thing, us if and, I yeah, mm. go ahead. Oh, so, so, sorry, Jay, go on. Um, person, the next person we're going to introduce us shortly, just um, after we finish uh, talking to Daryl, is someone that actually came on and spoke about men and mental health. Um, we'll just wrap up with Daryl, and we'll introduce our next uh, guest speaker. Was, was there yeah. something you wanted to just before we do? Was there something else you wanted to say, Daryl? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. What you were saying, Mark, how did it, it's helping others hearing me openly talk about it. And one thing encourages me, somebody did that for me. There was a, a police uh, psychologist who was specifically introduced to me after the shooting, and he'd had his own life experience. And he was an Australian um, Vietnam veteran who tripped a booby trap in that wall. He came back to Australia, Chris Mankelow. He soldiered on various training units for three years, but it got to the point that he uh, uh, resigned from the army, burned his uniform, burned his photographs, and just wanted to leave the horror of the Vietnam War behind him. And he could become dangerously suicidal, uh, but he sought help. And then he went on to become a police psychologist. And the first thing he did with me was build trust. And then he was able to explain PTSD. I took it on board and I changed my mind. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not a weak individual. This is, as, as Chris explained it, a normal reaction to a very abnormal event. So that little uh, story about, well, somebody else you know, spoke to me about their, their journey and it was his uh, lived experience that allowed us to break down the walls and then me open up. And so hopefully that um, talking about my experience and others thinking, well, if, if that copper, if he can uh, go and seek mental health and get help and go on and live a, a, a flourishing life, I can do the same. Yeah. I mean, has it, has it led, I'm, I'm probably assuming the answer to this is yes, but has it led 
to a lot of conversations, people opening up to you, Dale, when you're doing your keynote speaking, people must share their sports stories with you, I imagine, all the time. Exactly. I've just yeah. been in uh, Toowoomba for the Toowoomba Regional Council, and I did face-to-face -face, uh, keynotes, and it was uh, – uh, two a day over three days, so six, and uh, it was actually quite in, in, in intense. But you know, I've just called on those resilience techniques, and one of them was just simply maximizing my sleep. But there were so many people afterwards who came up to me and, and shared their own stories and thanked me. And I said, Look, one of the gentlemen had a, uh, a serious brain injury from something flying into his head. And he had to be flown by a helicopter and he talked about the, the, the dreams. And then, like me, the operations was a, a, a second trauma. And yeah. uh, even I, I even said to him, he, he followed up with an email. And I, and I said, you know, just people telling me about their own stories and about their flashbacks. Again, all these years later, 21 years after shooting, reminds me that when I'm out running and a, and a car drives over a pizza box, and I jump out my skin and I have that hypoarousal. It's okay. That's just because of that experience, and that's just part of me now. I can calm down really quickly and go on. So you are you are absolutely correct that people come up, and then it's my turn to give them time to listen to them. Yeah, the kind of whole paying it forward thing, really, it really, it's really, really wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and then just to, I know we need to move on, Joe, but just to go back to what you were saying, Joe, you know, it's important for everyone to talk about mental health, of course, you know, but men talking about mental health is more unusual. And I think it's yeah. really important that men get to share really yeah. things that are going on for them to open up yeah. the wider conversations. Yeah. So I want to on the topic of men and mental health and people obviously did the film a few years ago called anxious me. Um, and it's a project that spoke about anxiety awareness and a few of us, uh, myself and Will, who I'm going to introduce in a minute, um, spoke about our mental health and spoke about anxiety. Um, and it's a project that's had people come and talk to myself and other people that are in the film about mental health. Um, and I'd like to introduce um, our next guest speaker. Um, Will, if you'd like to unmute yourself. Hi, Jack. Hi, Will. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, so just... You joined, um, well, actually, firstly, I want to ask what World Mental Health Day means to you. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think really it's about learning, uh, learning about yourself, learning about what others have been through. Um, I think what Daryl said earlier about the destigmatization, I think that's really where, what it comes down to. I mean, just to give you guys an idea, I've started doing, um, I started doing Sober October this month. So this entire month, I haven't been uh, drinking alcohol. And I mean, I did it for a number of things. Um, I, I, no, I noticed slightly that I was drinking a bit more. When I was drinking a bit more, I was getting a little bit more out of control. And I think a lot of this was coming down to obviously my own mental health issues that I'd had in the past with anxiety. And as I'm sure you're aware with alcohol, whilst, you know, uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't drink it, but if you want to drink it, it's your choice. I think it's well known that it does exacerbate mental health issues. So I've started doing... Um, I've started doing obviously sober October and I have to say I'm learning from it. I'm learning actually, I didn't realize how much uh, of an effect it could exacerbate obviously my own pre-existing mental health issues. And so I think really coming back to World Mental Health Day, that's what it means to me is that it's just learning. You learn about yourself, you're doing new things, you're learning about others as well. Cause like I said, no story is the same. You don't know, like for example, what with Daryl saying about getting shot, I didn't know about that, um, but obviously I've learned from that. I've learned what he's gone through, so yeah. 
Yeah, um, and you you joined you've joined us for two projects now. You've joined us for anxious, joined us for anxious me, and you mm -hmm. joined us for the men and mental health revisited episode. Um, you just talk about the episode that you you did with us, and maybe talk a little bit about anxious me. Yeah, so I mean, overall, it was just as you said. It, it was just talking about um this unfortunate uh belief that a lot of people have about boys don't cry which is absolutely asinine boys do cry i cry and i believe every man here on this uh, podcast has cried maybe recently mm -hmm. maybe not so much and i think it comes down to the fact that unfortunately you know i like macho you know i like masculine things you know i watch ufc i watch boxing i play rugby union you know i i'm into uh, a lot of macho stuff but guess what I also have a sensitive side and I think that's really what it's talking about. You, you, there's nothing wrong with talking about your mental sensitive side. There's a time and place for it. And you should know that um, you, you know, you should be able to talk about it when you feel uh, you need to talk about it. And people, you know, some people may not want to listen. There's a lot of people out there, idiots who don't, don't want to listen to it. Well, that's their choice. But I think a lot of men need to know that there is someone to listen. I said, me, Joe, Joe I live 12,000 miles away from where you are. If you had yeah. an issue, then you need to speak to me about, I'd be here for you. I mean, maybe something I haven't done too recently is that I've had, I've had some things where I need to speak about it to people. But I know that if I really need to speak to someone, I've got you, I've got other people, I've got my yeah. family. I've got those people out there who I can speak to. There are people out there. And even if it is that you have no friends or family that you think you can't speak to about it, there are services out there who will speak, listen to you. And they won't, they're not doing it for money. They're doing it because they volunteer. It's good. They're doing it because they care. They do it because they've been there before in the past. And I yeah. think that's the most important thing. And that's the reason why I did Anxious Me and I did mental, World Mental Health Day. Um, I do want to do these things because I want, if there is anyone out there listening right now, I just want to refer to them that boys do cry it's okay to cry and that you are more than happy to tell me how you're feeling because i will listen and other people you know will listen so that's really what it is yeah it's very very beautifully put um, and i agree with what you say um we're, we're kind of lucky that we have that friendship where we can talk openly about mental health without the fear of being judged and quite a yeah. few people in our friendship group we can talk to about mental health without the fear of being judged because it is is a more a bigger issue nowadays and more people are experienced mental health disorders and especially with COVID. So it's very, um, it's hard, hard to put it into words. It's a topic that needs to be discussed about more, more in, in today's world, especially amongst men, hmm. because it's not spoken about enough. And a lot of the statistics do point to men committed suicide more than females and I'm not saying that's a general thing but a lot of the statistics that I've read when I've done research for episodes that men tend to commit suicide more than women because they have that fear of talking about their mental health um, and I, one of the questions I want to ask is what made you want to come on the podcast and share your story um, I think, like, as I said uh, in previous question, um, I wanted to say, tell my story, because I know that there would be people out there who, whilst my mental health, like I said, I've never had issues with suicide or anything like that. So obviously you could argue that my stuff has not been as severe as others. It's still severe enough that it has affected my life 
it has affected how I act. It's affected what I've done. I've lost friends because of my mental health episodes. Um, and whilst it may just be anxiety or generalised anxiety disorder, it's still something where actually talking about it has helped a lot. And I wanted to go on this podcast because there are some people who may have moderate to not so severe symptoms, but it's still you know, that still isn't an option for them to keep quiet about it. You still should know that actually talking about it will still help. There is still things you can do. And that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And what you were saying, Will, about, you know, kind of with this playing rugby and having, you know, that side and being into really kind of macho things, you know, but also allowing your sensitive side out in the world. I mean, that's a great message for men. You know, I mean, there's so much. I think it's maybe slightly breaking down now, but, you know, there's this whole toxic masculinity thing, isn't it? Men have got to be this, men have got to be that, men have got to be strong, men don't talk about their feelings. You know, and I think because of that, I think men historically have felt a lot of shame, really, about opening up. But, of course, men have mental health issues as well. Men have anxiety, men have depression, men have, you know, everything. So it's really good, I think, that men are starting to open up and talk about it. It just normalises it a bit, doesn't it, I think? Yeah. Mm. And one of the things also, I think, the fact that you did Anxious Me, which was about three years ago now, and then you came back on the came on the podcast, and you, we had this kind of, it was kind of a catch-up episode with where you were mentally since the podcast. And your story in the podcast goes to show that mental health just doesn't, it doesn't just disappear. It is a journey. Mm. You might get better, but it might always still be there. But there's always it's a journey. It's always there. And that's yeah. one of the things I liked about our episode is the fact that you were open in both the film and the episode, and it goes to show you that mental health is a journey. Yeah, no, definitely. They, it's still, I'm still at the beginning of my journey. I'm 28. Um, I didn't really know about my mental health issues until probably about 24, 25 maybe, and I didn't really start to get help for it until this year. So I'm, a, I'm very much still just starting off. You know, it's, um, I'm only just taking my first couple of steps. You know, it's very much a marathon or an ultra marathon, and I'm barely out the uh, starting blocks, I feel. And that's something you're right. I'm probably going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life, but I'm not scared. I'm not worried at all about that in the slightest. It, it's an issue, but, you know, it's like people who are born with um, spina bifida, I don't know, or uh, people who are born with um, uh, cystic fibrosis. It's one of those things where you have to learn to uh, live with it and you move on. You know, there are some things which will happen to us later in life, like what happened with Daryl with his incident. Um, there's some things that will happen from birth. Uh, you know, some people are born, you know, with the incorrect chemical brain balance. Um, it is one of those things. And I'm not scared at all, worried about it. I'm not feeling hard done by. That's life. But because I know I have a, I have a support group. I have people who love me, my parents, my family, uh, my friends, people like yourself. So it is one of those ones. And it's just uh, kind of those things where I just need to get myself into the correct position where I am able to deal with it. I'm still uh, in that process trying to find out, but I think I'm, I've made steps with it. I've made some big steps with it. So, yeah. yeah. It's something Very we all well, have well. to manage, isn't it? I mean, we all have men. I mean, who, who was, which episode was it, Joe, where one of our guests said, you know, we all have mental health and, you know, everybody has mental health and we, you know, we all have to learn to manage it. It's one of our video episodes, I think, wasn't it? Oh, just, hard but, to but, remember. Yeah. Did, it was the one of the recent ones. to be a psychotherapist. Oh. 
can't I'm remember. But, sure. but 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 the message I thought was sure, we, we all have mental health, don't we? I mean, every single yeah. person living on the planet has mental health. And I guess we, you know, all of our journeys, I mean, we all manage our physical health, don't we? You know, we as best we can, we try and eat healthy, we do this, we do that. It should be the same as mental health, isn't it? We all yeah. we all need to do different things in order to manage our individual mental health. And then that's a learning, you know, we learn how to do it as we go on and we kind of tweak it and maybe bring in different things. But, you know, it's a journey I think we all have to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one thing I wanted to add as well, like uh, Anxious Me, the film that we did with Will, has recently hit 900 views. I mean, it's taken time and it did win a film of the month a few years ago for Australian Short Film Network. Um, and it's good that a film with mental health's done so well because you look at all these other films like films like the avengers films like um lord of the rings stuff they're always going to do well because they're fictional and they're these imaginary worlds where people can escape but having films like anxious me and there's a few other films that are out there about mental health um they're more real realistic and more relatable so having films like that do well will hopefully get the message out there that mental health is real um, um and i did want to say thank you to will for taking part in that film because and the other two people went uh, that took part and well, everyone that was kind of involved in the production because without them the film wouldn't have done as well as they did and it was nice to have other people join me and kind of talk about their anxiety and their mental health because it goes to show that you can there are people that out there that want to listen I've had family members come up to me since the film and say thank you for doing the film because I have anxiety and I was scared to talk about it and there's people that I didn't even know had mental health disorder, like mental health issues um, and you just got to show the impact that a film about mental health can have. Um, did, you, did you want to ask uh, Will any more questions before we move on to our next person Mark? No, I just wanted to say I really loved the film. I mean, I know I probably am a little bit biased, but I mean, I thought Anxious Me was a fantastic film. Really, really great yeah. film. And I'd really urge our listeners. I mean, how, how do our listeners watch it, Joe? Uh, it how, is, how do they get hold of it? It is on our YouTube channel. So if you search Lifestyle Multimedia, and then, or you can search Anxious Me, um, it is produced by Lionstyle. It was Lionstyle Productions at the time. Now, now Lionstyle Multimedia. Um, it will be the thumbnail will have a, a black screen with anxious me. Um, yeah, it's on our channel and as well as our video episodes of our podcast and any other films we've done, including Anxious Me Too, which we did with Mark, um, which is something that I might touch on a bit later. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't watched it already, go and check out on our YouTube channel. Um, I'm <laughs> forever ranting and raving about it as well because it's the first one I ever made. Um, and let, um, let's move on to our, our next speaker, who I will now unmute. Um, so I would like to introduce JL Keys, who joined us for... Uh, double check the episode because I don't want to get the episode number wrong. He joined us for episode 14 and spoke about OCD. Um, thank you for joining us, JL. Uh, it's good to have you it's back. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, as I asked with Daryl and Will, um, what does World Mental Health Day mean to you? 
Look, it's an opportunity for people to be able to engage perhaps in a, different, a range of different platforms um, that they might not otherwise have done. Like, for example, if this was done prior and it was put up today, you know, people might feel that they can come and do this privately and get some information back and then act upon the information that they hear from people who've got lived experiences. So I think that destigmatization, which the other two gentlemen have already mentioned as well, it uh, puts it out into the um, out into the arena as a much more normalised sort of thing that we can pursue and um, find answers for. So that's what I hope you know people would get out of it and by acknowledging it and seeing it, you know, advertised and um, everything like that. So to me, it's just bringing normalisation to an illness that many many people across the globe. I mean, if we break a leg, we sort of openly talk about a broken leg or a broken arm, but we don't talk about a broken person and in the same vein or the same way. So hopefully something like this will encourage people to say, hey, you know, it's okay to talk about this. It's a normal, um, you know, it's event that happens in too many people's lives and we need to talk about it so that we can open doors to, to healing and recovery and knowledge and understanding and learning as the other two have also suggested as well. So that's my response to that one for you. Very brief, just leave it. And you joined us for the episode about OCD. Um, you mentioned in the episode yes, that did. you no longer suffer from it. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, the OCD when you had it and what what you you do now, as we um, asked the other two? As we, yeah. Well, with OCD, OCD was one of many um, mental. I mean, I started out with an eating disorder with anorexia nervosa. And as a result of that um, and not healing, um, a lot of other associated mental illnesses sort of joined me on my way before recovery came through my door. And OCD was one of them. This one joined me when I became pregnant with my first child. And um, all of a sudden I started rechecking and doing this and not being able to sleep before something got done. And I just really didn't know what was happening to me at all. And because um, I think I'm a quite a bit older than all you gentlemen there. Um, so back in my day, uh, we didn't have um, any awareness or knowledge of anything, you know, that we're able to share in this day and age. So I sort of suffered and went through that for that nine months and then had Brad and um, sort of hormonally hoped that it would all settle down again, which it didn't do. And it kept on going. And then I was pregnant with my second child with my daughter and it, got worse and worse and deepened to, you know, locking and refolding and smoothing down things and all of those and rechecking in my head and all of the rest of the stuff that went with it. And that wasn't really given a name and a label until I lived in Melbourne, Victoria at the time of a place called Little River on 10 acres. And uh, we came back to Adelaide and I went to Flinders Uni, not Uni, Flinders Medical Centre here as an outpatient for eating disorders, actually. And that's when I was sharing with this person, look, I didn't used to do this and now I'm doing all of this. And that's when that label came to me. I said, well, what's OCD? And um, so, yeah, I went on like that probably for about 10 years or so until um, one day it just came into my head. I was so tired of how I was living. And as anyone else suffering OCD, it's an exhausting thing like suicide, depression, anxiety, all of them are absolutely exhausting. And um, it just came into my head one day to just, as soon as the thought came in that then perpetuated the behaviour that went with the OCD, if I could stop that thought in its tracks and just completely clear my mind and then count to 30 out, light, out loud and focus on the numbers and almost visualising one, two, three, 
before and then getting to 30, if I then revisited that thought that created the behavior, it just had no power over me. And the first time, and I don't know why, it was just something that came to me and so I followed it through. And when it didn't happen, I went, that's a bit cool. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and it still probably took, you know, a few more months to actually nail it and completely get rid of it. But having had that first successful experience, I went, hey, there's something in this. And um, so I kept doing it. And every time I wanted to refold the towels, I would stop, count to 30, and it didn't happen. And then I also added it by adding um, already pre-prepared activities, I suppose. You know, when I felt that OCD coming over, if I immediately, uh, I then we back here in Adelaide, we lived on two acres. So if I shot out the back door straight away and started walking around my two acres or whatever or down the street and just really focused on that word called mindfulness, really focused on my garden or you know, distracted myself with something else. When I came back to the cupboard, I didn't have to refold those towels. So there are a couple of things that I just sort of created from nowhere, really, that eventually uh, gave me my power back in terms of OCD. And eventually it left me. And, um, you know, I know Darren was talking about um, suicide. And may I, oh, I just can't imagine what I know what I've been through and a lot of people do and they just should like, take their hat off to me if I can say that on this platform because it sounds a bit big-headed. But um, when I listen to your story, Darren, I think far out. I'm about to have two lots of reconstruction for cancer being cut out my face. I'm just hiding it here at the moment. And I'm thinking, how did you go through the number that you did and your face would have been a lot worse than what mine is. So hat off to you for enduring that and going through all of that. But I do understand suicidal depression because I lined the tablets up and I wanted to leave and because it got that bad as well. But I gradually brought the ideology that I had with OCD into that one and into anxiety and I had chronic fatigue and I had you know, migraines and all of those things as well. And gradually with suicidal depression, the way I got out of that one, I used to go to bed fine and get up at about two and be in the depths and just want to cut my head off. And um, I'd go outside and pace around the backyard and, you know, eventually come back to bed, get back to sleep, and it'll be completely gone in the morning. And then eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to turn this around. So I'd go out back and I'd say, right, you're here with me again. What message do you want to give me? Suicidal, and I would make up and have these conversations with suicidal depression and say, what do you want me to learn? You know, what are you telling me about me? What did I endure as a child growing up or whatever? What are you related to in my life? And gradually the answers came and I had a great psychologist who practiced that way or that line of thinking. And so I adopted in that arena as well and eventually suicidal depression left me as well. So um, that's probably a long answer to your question, but with OCD, I saw that advertised, you know, when you advertise for somebody to come on and I thought, gosh, that's one aspect of me that I haven't actually opened up and talked about. And um, a lot of people, when I said, look, I've just been on this great podcast, I talked about, why did you talk about OCD? <laughs> Didn't you just have an eating disorder? No, I had all these other things as well. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. So for me, it was a wonderful opportunity to share my experience and my story, but hopefully give people an idea of how they might be able to combat it in the similar way that I did. So it was great that I um, was accepted and got the opportunity to do that. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm sure a lot of people um, found the episode beneficial and 
relatable um and it does go to show like as you mentioned there are things that people might not know about you um myself like i i've had anxiety and depression for years and only recently got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder so it does go to show there are things that people might not know about you you might not know that you've got yourself um i wanted to ask why um uh what made you want to come on the podcast for that reason to be able to have the opportunity to share and i think mental health is so uh, misunderstood as well and i think that's one of the reasons we don't talk about it because it is so misunderstood and um, for too long for far too long it's been oh just pull yourself together you'll be fine but until you experience it yourself you and you realize how real it is um no one can appreciate it you know people who've never experienced this cannot appreciate the debilitation that it creates in your life so and i have done a lot of podcasts you know around the globe but mainly on eating disorders but as i said previously with ocd i went that's another area that i would like to be able to weave my way into <laughs> and um, offer some hope and some support particularly if people have been battling with it for a number of years and they still can't get on top of it there might just be something that I've said. They go, hey, I, I haven't thought of it or looked at it that way. Um, I'll adopt that into my, um, my thinking and see what that can do for me. So that was the main thing, to really get these voices, all of our voices out there into the world to say, hey, you know, just, just like, and I know you're all, well, I'm the only woman here tonight. So I have to sort of agree with you that men don't talk about it much, but women do tend to sit down and have a cup of tea and, you know, cry and, and, and get their, their words out of their mouths much more than men. So, um, yeah, and just support these people because too often, you know, oh, she's got anxiety or she's got OCD or she's got suicidal depression. People tend to, you know, navigate yeah, their way away definitely. from those people. Yeah. They don't want to know them. And it's that lack of understanding and knowledge as to how and why that's happened for that person in the first place that sees people respond in that way. And it's almost alert behaviour across our globe as well over too many um, years where that's been the way to react and respond. So, yeah, it's yeah. good to have you on as well to kind of have that female perspective about mental health because we've spoken a lot about men and mental health and how men don't talk about it. So it's nice to kind of have that female perspective to say that female uh, kind of females sort of more openly talk about their issues and the, uh, these sort of topics than men do. Um, um, Mark, what did you want I, to ask? Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to just to just bring in the, the, the eating disorder as well. Yeah. Uh, because this is so good. You know, OCD is really, really common. OCD is so common that people really, really struggle with it. And it's absolutely exhausting. For, for people but but likewise eating disorders are incredibly common you know and these again are not gender specific I mean yeah I mean there's so much pressure on women in society and so a lot of women have eating disorders but increasingly I think men are starting to develop eating disorders or certainly be more open about eating disorders and I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about that it's something we didn't really yeah, sure. particularly cover in the podcast but I'm really interested to hear a bit more well. and your book yeah. as well and the book yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so anything in particular about eating disorders or just general? Yeah, um, well, just anything you think would help our listeners, your, really, yeah. to be honest. Your experience yeah. and the, probably talk about your experience and maybe your the, just a little bit about what the book is about that you've written. 
Mm. Yeah, okay. So having anorexia nervosa at the age of 15 to 24, and as I said, you know, being older back then, it just wasn't a known entity at all. It didn't even really have a name until I was 24 and the paperwork was put in front of me and I could, um, you know, connect to the pictures that were there and the dialogue that was shared in the text as well. And um, I think with eating disorders, you know, it is one of the ones that, you know, we talk about suicide, but in terms of eating disorders, that has a high suicide, you know, a statistic attached to it. Mm. And um, I think there's still a lot, uh, just with my experience, I guess, and going through it myself and then watching um, how it's handled in the world today. And I acknowledge that there's a lot of ways of actually approaching it to help people heal. But I think with any of these, um, one of the big things that I would like to um, encourage people that have mental issues of any nature or any sort is when you are doing your research, you know, who, who can I connect with? Who can I source to help myself? If you can find someone that's had the lived experience, that just makes it so much easier. I know with clients that I have, and at the moment I've set up a 10-week, and I know it will go longer than that, a 10-week Zoom for people with eating disorders to educate, you know, the why of it. Why did they, why has this come into my life? You know, why am I experiencing this? And these are the questions that I wasn't asked. It was just put on weight and you'll be fine. Well, I put on the weight and I wasn't fine. I went down all the other roads of mental illness that were attached, you know, down the track. And um, so my advice, and I feel like I'm moving all over the place, sorry, but first of all, find someone with lived experience. They'll really understand you. I was going to say about my client in New York, you know, she's in her early 40s now and she's been struggling, you know, since childhood because of the cultural background, everything associated with that. I know she's just really enjoying, you know, working with someone with the lived experience, but also the, um, the theory, the therapy, I guess, that I utilise as well. It's new to her. And this is what worked for me as well. And with eating disorders, any of these dive into your story. The answers and the clues are in your story there as to why this has manifested now in your life. And those answers and clues will give you your road out as well. If you are prepared to do the hard slog and the hard work, as I'm hearing Darren, and sorry, I've forgotten the other gentle's name, Bill. but I can appreciate Bill as well. You know, the journey that you've just started, Bill and Darren, you've been on for quite a while and I would have jumped off that bridge too <laughs> so many times when I wanted to jump off bridges but um, yeah just find that person that you really really connect and trust as Darren pointed out you know make sure you feel trust and connection with the person that you're dealing with it also accept that there is a mental illness component with eating disorders it's not about food and weight it's about your story and what your story has given to you, what events in it that remain unresolved or whatever that have seen the body. For me, I got to the age of 15, the body went, seriously, we can't keep doing this, you know, so crash, bang, down I went into an eating disorder and had people known right then to ask those important questions, it wouldn't have gone on for nine years and I wouldn't have got as sick as I did. So for anybody with any illness, particularly eating disorders, because that's my biggest field, um, look at your story, look for your clues and be prepared to do the hard work of returning to who you are, not why you are. So another long answer, sorry. Um, and what, what's the name answer. of your, yeah, what's the name of your book uh, that you released? My book I wrote is called Anorexia Unlocked, um, Understanding a Story Through Mine. And I wrote that last year. I wrote it in a month. I always say that to people because I'm a little bit proud because everyone goes, a month? You did it in a month? Far out. 
And so I've always got to tell everybody that. But anyway, and I published it in November and it's getting really good um, feedback. And don't be fooled by the title. I think if I went back now, I'd probably do a different title because I think people are way, yay, I'm going to go in and get all the steps and by the end of the book, I know how to get well. It's actually a three-part book. And the first part is my story. And it just lays the foundations over my life until I was about 38 when I finally began the healing journey, really true healing journey, so that people can get a glimpse of who I am and what I endured and what I suffered and, and the whole story behind, you know, Jenny Lee. And I wasn't Jenny Lee at the time. I changed my name when I turned 40. And so that's embedded in it. And why did I do that? And then the middle part is uh, 14 pearls of wisdom. So everything that I've learned and taken from all those years of enduring. And then the last part is just, this is my story. This is what happened. This is, you know, I changed my thinking, changed my behavior. did a little whoop and I spat out at the other end. It's just sort of a wrapping up overall. And um, yeah, why did I write it? Because people asked me to write it. You know, so many people knew my story and said, you know, it will help many as Darren's and Will's will as well. And yours, Joe and Mark, I shouldn't um, leave you out of that list. And so a lot of encouragement because I thought it was going to take a long time to write. But I'm so glad I've written it because so many people have already been helped by it, you know, to be able to make that connection and see the commonality of their lives as to what mine was like as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's my book. <laughs> thank you. Um well, thank you for sharing your story again and chatting about the book. Um, we will get back to our three guests in a little bit um, and ask them about their favourite bit of advice for mental health. Um, as you guys know, we do, we host, myself and Mark host the podcast and obviously we interview guests like every episode, but we've also, um, being a mental health podcast host, we've also shared our own stories and um, I just want to ask Mark a little bit about the episode he did and um, you did an episode on HSPs which is highly sensitive people and you shared your story so um, I want to ask you what World Mental Health Day means to you. Yeah I mean I think World Mental Health Day is you know so important for just to you know get discussions going around mental health so you know to get people to focus on mental health to take away you know the stigma it's just, you know, it's just another way, you know, to encourage people to talk about mental health openly, thus, you know, hopefully taking away the stigma, normalising it. So it's an important day. I mean, mental health is important every day, of course, but World Mental Health Day, you know, just bringing it to the attention of the public, I think is important. Yeah, um, and can you just talk a little bit about the episode you did as well? Yeah, I mean, HSP, highly sensitive people, it's, it's something I work with a lot. I'm, all, I'm an HSP, you know, went through most of my life not realising that and, you know, looking at kind of bits of my behaviour and thinking, goodness, I don't really understand why I'm like that. And I'm, I'm perhaps different to other people, you know, perhaps more sensitive, perhaps get affected by things more deeply. Um, kind of have quite a lot of empathy for, you know, for, for, for people, which is a good thing but it can also be quite difficult because there's quite a lot of suffering in the world. And when, you, you know, when you're very, very open to the suffering of others, I think it can have quite a massive effect. And you have to try and boundary that, you know, because there is so much suffering in the world. And, and I just came across a book by Elaine Allen. It's a, quite an old book written in 1997. She's somebody that was the first person to bring this into the public domain. She did a lot of research around HSPs. 
Uh, it's a personality type shared by 20% of the population. Um, although when I first started working with HSPs, there was nothing out there. There was Elaine Allen's work and there was nothing else. I mean, she continues to do fantastic work. And if you're, if you're an HSP, I'd really encourage you to kind of pick up on one of her books. She's written quite a lot. And for me, I think it was an important, it was really important to talk about it and share my own personal experience. Because again, I think when people can kind of, you know, can hear others talking about character traits, um, mental health issues, things that perhaps they experience in their own lives, then I think it can lead them to find out more, really. And I think yeah. with HSPs, often HSPs will go through their lives and they, they won't realise what's going on. And then at some point they'll come across something and it'll be like an epiphany. So I think, you know, with HSPs, highly sensitive people, I think the more conversations are out there, again, the more it gets normalised, the more people that have the characteristics can understand them rather than kind of questioning what's going on with them. So I think it was important, you know, it's always important, I think, to, you know, to share personal experience. So I, yeah, so going into the show, I shared a bit of my own personal experience, which hopefully can be helpful to other HSPs. Yeah, and you, you've done... You've done your own video blog as well, haven't you, called Hashtag Saga Very un Unfuck? Um, and you did an episode on HSPs, didn't you? And you've done some other episodes. Where could, uh, where can our listeners find them? Yeah, so they can find them on um, on some of my sites. I've, I've got a website, markfieldingpsychotherapy.com. Um, I've also got some counselling directory sites and i've got a youtube channel uh, hashtag psychotherapy unfogged and i talk there's quite a long episode on on hsps um it's quite a fledgling pop podcast i've talked about covid i've talked about a kind of anxiety on it um so yeah so if anyone listeners want to want to hear more then you know, please do go to the podcast and have a little have a listen yeah um uh, thank you mark for sharing again um and for hosting um for the whole of season one and the episodes we've done so far for season two um uh yeah so <laughs> obviously hosting the webinar and hosting the podcast and i've asked all you guys about what world mental health day means for you and um for me again i agree with everyone else that it's about learning about uh destigmatizing mental health getting the word out there about mental health um, I love that there's all these days and stuff that raise awareness of mental health and stuff like Suicide Awareness Day um, and Are You Okay Day. Um, and it kind of, in a way, it's good and in a way, it's bad. I feel like it shouldn't just be a day that there needs to be a day to do these sort of things. I think it should be every day there should be awareness of mental health. Um, and myself I did an episode on borderline personality disorder which was a recently diagnosed mental health disorder that I was diagnosed with in the last three years um, and it came as it was kind of came as a surprise but at the same time came as no shock to me that I had borderline personality disorder um, a lot of it made sense um, some of the symptoms or some of the signs of it were quite similar to because I was diagnosed with dyspraxia as a young child um, which is motor growth skills and emotional stuff. Um, some of it I thought was related to that when I was having these mood swings that were going from zero to 100. So being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, it was nice to share my story on an episode. And also 
because we tried to do the episode when we did the video podcast and people a lot of the people when I did the shout out were mistaken and mistaking sorry were mistaking it for uh, bipolar disorder which is a, something that a lot of people know about so borderline personality disorder is not something a lot of people talk about and we didn't have much response when I applied for uh, did a shout out for guests so I thought I'd use it as an opportunity to share my story um, and as with the podcast I really want there to be a platform for people to have something to relate to something that will encourage them to talk about their mental health and um, we've had so, so many amazing guests on in the, the whole of season one and even with season two now um, and I really want to use this as an opportunity to thank the guests for coming on and enabling us to do these podcast episodes and having shared your story with everyone um, I'm glad there's that's out there now for people to relate to and hopefully encourages other people to share their stories. Um, we have a lot of exciting things lined up, um, planning, um, I'll keep it, <laughs> keep it quiet for now, but we have a lot of exciting things coming this way, um, your way um, for our listeners and um, people that haven't listened to the podcast already, please do go and listen to it. We're nearly at a thousand plays, which is, uh, something that we probably never dreamed of when we first started the podcast um, and I want to wrap up this webinar by going to each of our speakers and asking their favorite bit of advice so I'll start with Mark. Um, Mark what's your favorite bit of advice for people with mental health or um, in relation to your topic that you discussed on your episode? Yeah it, particularly in relation to HSPs Joe. Or, or in general, whatever yeah. you feel is best. Yeah, I mean, maybe I do, but I mean, I, I think in relation to HSPs, um, I mean, this is probably HSPs are really going to understand this, but I, 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 I guess with HSPs, I think, you know, it, it's a gift to have, you know, a really, really, you know, immense capacity for empathy. But I think learning to boundary, I think is really important because you know you need to live your own life uh, as well using coping strategies that are going to that are going to help that um, and I think generally I have to say opening up and talking to people you know opening up and talking to people I think when when you're suffering is the most important thing it really really helps you know they might not have an answer you know they might not be able to sort it out for you but I think just the act of opening up and sharing I think is immensely therapeutic so that that's what I would say and Daryl, your favourite bit of Thanks. advice in relation to mental health and suicide? Don't ignore the 800-pound grill in the room. If you're worried about somebody, just ask them openly, are you thinking about ending your life? And if they say yes, just stay with them and then contact a mental health professional. And... You can change the course of that person's life. People worry, what do I do if they say yes? And that's happened to me. And just stay with them. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. And I say, do you mind if I reach out and do a mental health service for you? And or do you want happy for me to accompany you to uh, your local GP? And and that is, uh, I think, going to help a lot of people because they're worried. What happens if they say yes? Well, it's not on you. You just stay with them and guide them to the, the source of help. 
Yeah. Thank you. That's very beautiful. Um, and Will, you unmute yourself uh, for favorite bit of advice for mental health. Uh, my advice would be to the people who obviously deal with mental health or are suffering from it. Um, just don't be afraid to speak to someone, a bit like what Daryl was saying. So you reach out to someone you're worried about. Well, if you are the worried person, reach out to others. If you feel, I know it's easier said than done, trust me, I've been there. Um, but best thing you can do is, yeah, just reach out to someone, whether it's a friend or family, someone you trust. If there is no one you can trust in that sense, then please go to... Um, then please go to uh, obviously some of the great mental health charities, which in the United Kingdom and in Australia and most of the modernized world, we're very blessed to have. Um, because, you know, it is better once you get it, once it, as you said, once you let it out, well, you don't feel, let it um, inside you, you don't keep it inside you once you let it out, it is going to be much better for yourself. And also another one as well, obviously, from what I've seen in the last couple of weeks with myself, obviously doing uh, stop, uh, stop. Uh, so was it sober October um do, uh, take sometimes th think twice about the stuff you put in your body um like I said, I'm not saying don't stop drinking drinking or anything like that. I just said I was very uh very much almost naive to how much alcohol uh exacerbated my own um you know exacerbated my own anxieties it really does and it does quite a lot and I have to say it's been quite nice having these last couple of weeks not having to worry about drinking like I said I was at I was at the rugby on Friday 15,000 people there to watch Harlequins destroy Newcastle uh, sorry uh, <laughs> Bristol honestly wonderful game and I didn't drink and I also found out I could have fun without drinking and it's actually a really interesting thing. so that's why I'd say be don't be afraid to speak to someone do speak to someone if you have issues and um, also just be think twice about maybe the, some of the stuff you put in your body Thank you, Will. And JL? First of all, um, apologies to Daryl because I've been calling you Darren. <laughs> and I've just realised you're not Darren, you're Daryl. So I apologise for that. Look, as I've already indicated before, um, anyone suffering with any mental health, you know, when you're researching for that credible person that you feel can help you, have they had lived experience? Um, and that person, when you do approach them, ask them about how they're going to work with you. You know, what's your line of therapy? Um, what can I expect, you know, when I'm connecting with you? What can I expect to see and experience with you? Because that was a huge difference in my pathway. I'd been to so many different psychologists, psychologists and all of the rest of it. And it was the one who said to me, I want to hear your story. I want to look at your thoughts. I want to look at your behaviours. I want to look at your emotions and I want to look at what your physical symptoms in your body are doing and what information we can gather from each of those areas of you that will give us clues as to what you need to recover from. And then added to that, your needs and your wants and your beliefs and your values because each of those categories of your life will give you answers that you can work on and employ to help you recover from your mental health issues. And the last, the primary one and the huge one that I had to really acknowledge in my recovery was the relationships that I had been involved in or, you know, had had throughout my life. And um, I needed to go back to my childhood and have a look at, you know, my childhood and how I was raised and my parents and the connection and the relationship with them and then see how other relationships reflected that one and my responsibility in it, but also, 
stepping back and looking at and taking on their responsibility and the damage that had been done. So you need to be prepared to open up every area of your life and to, be, and to cry and to be honest and to speak your truth without hiding anything from that person um, so that, yeah, you can move forward. And there is help, you know, out there as well. So that would be my response to that question of yours, Joe. Thank you, JL. Um, and I think <laughs> since everyone else has done it, um, something that I always say, my, my favourite bit of advice, um, as you all said, speak to someone. There will always be someone there to talk to, even if it's a stranger, a family member, a friend, a psychologist, a doctor. Um, I always, myself, my own personal mental health journey, I've always found speaking to someone helps ma massively. And as the title of the podcast says, you're, you're never alone. Um, and I really hope that like the episodes we've done with everyone here and the ones that um, unfortunately couldn't join us um, have helped at least one person out there to speak up and share their, their journey and share their story and get the help that they need. Um, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for joining us for this um, webinar. Uh, it's our first one and it's been an absolute pleasure doing it with you, um, being joined by you all and have, hearing your stories again. Um, and hearing what World Mental Health Day means to you all. Um, and I want to say thank you to our listeners and hopefully we can do event, an event like this again soon. Um, and everyone just, um, yeah, follow the advice given by everyone here. We've all got our own lived experience. We've all been through it. Um, so <laughs> who, who better than us to give you the, the advice, yeah, to guide you guys. Um, thank you everyone. Um, and stay tuned for episode seven which will be launched um released next week we'll be talking about animal assisted therapy and i want to say thank you to all the guests that joined us for season one um and for making it um as successful as it's been and as popular as it's been and getting us to where we are and hopefully we'll reach a thousand plays soon um and thank you again uh, to mark for helping host um, always a pleasure jane thank you <laughs> thanks guys thank you for joining us okay. thank you great to see yeah, you all again thank you so much Bye. if you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode or previous episodes please contact your local or country's helpline you'll find them by going to google and typing in helpline um they have samaritans suicide helpline but Remember that you're not alone, as the title of the podcast says. Um, there are many other people like you that have got mental health issues and feel suicidal and feel alone, but there's always someone there for you to talk to, be it a friend, a family member, a stranger, a psychotherapist or a doctor. There's someone to talk to. I've been in that position before. And talking to someone really does help. It's okay to not be okay. And I will see you in the next episode.